you join me in prayer? And don't just pray for me today, pray for yourselves. Pray that the Lord gives you ears to hear. It's important as we open the scriptures. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we do not come lightly to your word. Your word gives life. Your word is important. It is the instruction of God for the people of God. And we who are your disciples today, my Father, we come to it eager, open. My Father, we come to it hungry for your word. We come to it because it is satisfying. And we receive it, Father, with open heart and with open ears. Father, please speak to us today that we may know and discover your kingdom. We praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. May I ask you please to open your Bibles. Those of you who brought your Bibles, but there's also Bibles in the pews in front of you. Uh, there are, I'm sure some of you may have Bibles on your phones or iPads. Uh, just open the word of the Lord to the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew, the uh, 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. I think this is a, a, a sermon that I hope will engage your minds that you won't just listen to me, but that you will get into these parables and ask the Lord, Father, what are you saying to me? What are you saying through these parables? I, I really would love for you to struggle with these parables. Um, so chapter 13 of Matthew, chapter 13 of Matthew. And I'm just gonna repeat a little quickly things that I already preached about last week and that I mentioned last week because I want to take my time in other areas. But we all should know that Jesus is in the area of Galilee. There's a map up in the screen. Northern part uh, of uh, uh, Judea, then between then Judea, Samaria, and then Galilee. There is a very large lake there or sea and it's called the Sea of Galilee. Uh, just over to the side, you see the, the city of Capernaum. In the city of Capernaum is where Peter, the disciple, Peter the fisherman, had his home. It was the home that he seemed to have shared with his family, and it may have been here where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law from the fever that she had. But we know from reading scripture that this house in Capernaum served kind of like the hub for Jesus' ministry all over the area. So Jesus kept coming back to Capernaum, even though he went all over the place, he kept coming back to Capernaum and kept coming back to this particular house. This is where Jesus is as we're looking at these parables of the kingdom. 
So we put it in that context. We are in the 13th chapter of Matthew. Matthew 13 is all about the parables of the kingdom. Parables of the kingdom of God. Jesus is intent in teaching his hearers, his disciples, and all the multitude. He's intent on teaching them about God's holy kingdom. He wants them to grasp completely what it means to be in the kingdom because there is the possibility of also being outside the kingdom. And so he's very intent on teaching on the kingdom of God. And I think we too need to hear these teachings. Now last week I shared with you how the whole of the Gospel of Matthew can be divided into five sermons. All of Matthew, the way Matthew wrote his Gospel, there are five major sermons of Jesus. And in between each sermon, there is travels that Jesus does from one place to another. There is healing opportunities. There are other minor teachings. But the Gospel of Matthew, if you want to understand and grasp the whole of the, of the Gospel of Matthew, it is divided into five sermons, five major sermons of Jesus, and they're up there. I'm not going to repeat them, but uh, just the Sermon on the Mount, instructions on being sent out, Sermon on the Kingdom, Sermon on Greatness and Humility, and last of all, the Sermon on the End Times. We are in sermon number three. We are in the sermon on the kingdom of God. That's where the gospel was last week and the week before. And that's where the gospel is today as well. In the gospel of the kingdom, the way Jesus teaches on the kingdom of God is by the use of parables. By the use of stories that are representative of the life of the people stories that people could associate with if Jesus was here today he probably would tell a parable about driving a car or he might tell a parable about the internet or he might tell a parable about something that happened on a plane you just need to understand that Jesus used stories that people could relate to things that they could understand and say, oh, I've done that. I understand that. I know what that is about. And Jesus is talking to them through stories that we call parable. In this chapter, there are eight different parables. Eight different parables. And there is the parable of the four kinds of soil. There is the parable of the wheat and the tares which I preached on last week, the wheat and the tares. There is the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven in the dough, the treasure in the field, the parable of the great pearl in the market, the parable of the dragnet or the net in the lake of Galilee, and a parabolic saying, about the kingdom being like a scribe or a scribe is like a householder who out of his treasure brings, brings new and old things. Eight parables in this one chapter. Eight parables. Now, if I say to you, 
What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God to you? How would you describe the kingdom of God? The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. How would you describe it? What is the kingdom of God to you? Is it a place with a castle and all of that stuff? Or is there more to it than that? What, how would you describe to yourself, perhaps, what the kingdom of God is? When I think about the kingdom of God, I would say that we need to understand the kingdom of God as that area of life that area of life and of creation and of the spirit world, the visible and the invisible, which is under the influence and authority of Almighty God. The kingdom of God is that realm in your life and in the world where God reigns as supreme and king, where his authority is held and respected, where his word is admired and received. Whatever part of our lives where God is king and sits in the throne of our lives, his kingdom is present. The kingdom of God is where God rules. The kingdom of God is where God's word is important. The kingdom of God is where God rules. Where his word is taken as authoritative. Where his word is important. Where his commands are taken as commands from the king of kings and lord of lords. The kingdom of God is whatever realm in our lives and outside our lives where God reigns supremely. And he is king and he is lord and he is God and there is no contender to that throne and no contender to that authority. That is the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament, the view of the kingdom of God was that the kingdom of God was in heaven and we as a people lived under the shadow or under the authority of that kingdom, but the kingdom of God was in heaven and we looked forward one day to the kingdom of God in heaven. In the New Testament, that whole idea changes with the person of Jesus Christ coming into the world, the kingdom of God came down from heaven and the kingdom of God is here and now in our midst. The kingdom of God is now. We are in the kingdom or outside the kingdom here on earth. The kingdom of God is not some futuristic, special place somewhere in heaven, but the kingdom of God is right here and right now, and it came in the person of the king, Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, the kingdom of God invaded the kingdoms of the world. The kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of man, the kingdoms of the world were invaded by the power of Almighty God. And that kingdom has been advancing since the birth of Jesus. It's been advancing on earth. The kingdom of God is here and is now. It is not. It is now and is still yet to come. 
Because it's not fully here now, is it? It won't be fully here until Jesus comes fully in his second coming and the kingdom established on earth. So we live in the now yet. We live in the now and yet future. The kingdom is growing. The kingdom is expanding. And the king will they come in the thrones of heaven and in the clouds of heaven to reign forever. We live in the kingdom. The kingdom is now. Probably the most important things I would want to teach you today about the parables of the kingdom. To me the most important thing out of all of these parables that I want you to understand. Is what I just said in, in, in number one is that the kingdom is now. The kingdom is here. The kingdom of God is among us. The kingdom of God is reachable. The kingdom of God is at hand. As Jesus would say and John the Baptist would say. The kingdom of God is at hand. It is reachable. It is approachable. And the kingdom of God is moving in might. It is not static. The kingdom of God is constantly on the move. It is not static. The kingdom of God is on the move. And the kingdom of God is doing battle with everything that is in opposition to that kingdom. A battle is going on not only in the earth. It's going on in the spiritual forces and in the spiritual areas. The kingdom of God is in a battle against all that is evil and all that is contrary to God. And that is going on now, whether you see it or you don't, whether you feel it or you don't, the kingdom of God is moving. It's moving, it's powerful, it's mighty, as mighty as the king himself. That kingdom, that kingdom came down through the person of Jesus Christ. Nobody else. Not the prophets. Not the great patriarchs. That kingdom of God, they looked forward to the kingdom, but the kingdom came in the person of Jesus Christ. The king came down from heaven and he established a beachhead here and since that day that Jesus came into the world, the kingdom has been expanding throughout the entire world. It is on the move. So the kingdom is here. The kingdom came through Jesus Christ. And probably one of the most important things I want you to understand is that you cannot separate the kingdom from the king. You cannot separate the kingdom from Jesus. He who receives Jesus is in the kingdom. He who rejects Jesus is outside the kingdom of God. Understand that. You cannot separate the kingdom from Jesus. They who receive Jesus as the king and declare their loyalty are in the kingdom. If you reject Jesus, you are outside the kingdom of God. That's important. All of these parables will teach you that. John says, he who has the Son has life. 
He who has not the Son is still in darkness. Listen, you cannot receive Jesus as a great teacher and say, I follow the, the sermons. You cannot say, I accept Jesus as a great prophet because what you are doing is you're still not accepting Jesus as who he is, as the king of your life. You cannot accept him as a teacher. You cannot accept him as a prophet. You have to accept him as the only begotten son of God, the king of kings, lord of lords, and that's how you enter the kingdom. Not just accepting his teaching, not just accepting the prophecies. You have to accept the person of Jesus and declare him the Lord and Savior and God of your life. They who accept the Son are in the kingdom and they who reject the Son are outside the kingdom of God. Let's take a look at these parables a moment. What is Jesus teaching us? I want to go through them quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time because I want you to be the ones that struggle with, with, the, uh, with the parables. But the first parable that we saw is the parable of the four kinds of soil. You remember that parable. The kingdom of God is like a man who went out to sow. And he sowed and he threw the seed around and some of the seed fell on hard, hard soil. And so the seed did not penetrate. Some of the seed fell among thorns and the, the thorns grew up and choked the plant that started to grow. Some of the seed fell on rocky ground and it did not, did not go very deep. And some of the seed fell on good fertile land and that plant produced a tremendous amount of fruit. Amen? You remember that parable. What is Jesus teaching us in that parable? He's teaching us that the kingdom of God comes through the word of God sown in your heart. Your heart is that soil. If your heart is hardened, it will not penetrate. You'll ignore it immediately and you go back to your world. If your, if your heart is choked by cares for the world, it will choke the word and will, you'll soon give it up. But if your heart is fertile, if the word of God is sown in your heart and you receive and the gospel comes into you and you turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will produce the fruit of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like a man that comes and sows. What is sown? The gospel. The word. As you receive the gospel, it grows in you. The gospel grows in you and you begin to produce the fruit of the gospel. The kingdom of God comes through the word of God. The second parable is the parable of the, the wheat and the tares. And that parable simply tells us, and I preached on this last week, that a man with very good intentions came to his field and he sowed good seed. And then at night when everybody was not looking, an evil man came into that same field and sowed weed, sowed tares that produced very poisonous grains. 
At the beginning, the workers don't see the difference because the plants look alike. But once they begin to grow, the wheat starts looking totally different than these tares or that these weeds. And they realize something's gone wrong. And they come to the owner and said, did you do this? Did you plant bad seed? He says, no, an enemy did this. And so the solution of the workers is, let's just grab all of the weed and tear it off of the ground and burn it. And the owner says, you can't do that. If you just take the weed, the weed sometimes underground, the roots are intertwined with the good seed and with the weed. And once you pull it out, you're going to pull out some of the good seed too. You're going to pull out some of the weed and you're going to damage some good plants just to try and get rid of bad plants. It's like me trying to determine who in this church is really in the kingdom and who is not. Listen, I'm not your judge. I can't judge between people. Amen? And neither can you. Some people that might seem to you like they're not in the kingdom, let God be the one that determines that and not us. And I, I preached on this last week. The solution according to, to the parable is let these two plants grow together. Let these two plants grow together. And at the end of time, it is the angels that will come from God. And the angels will be the ones separating the wheat from the weed. What's the meaning of the parable? The meaning of the parable is that in this world, it's all growing up together, good and evil. And there's no way we can determine who is good and who's not good. Sometimes we ourselves do some things that are not good. And it doesn't mean we're not children of God. We are not the judges of each other. One of the things about the parable is that we need to allow this thing to take its own path. And it will be God who at the end will judge all things. It will be God who at the end will separate the good from the bad, the good from the evil, the wheat from the wheat. But in the meantime, it all grows together. And it is only our fruit that will show that we are not weeds, that we are wheat. So Jesus is calling his disciples to understand that that is part of the battle. That is part of the battle. Good kingdom people are growing alongside not good uh, non-kingdom people. It is part of what we see in the world. People who are determined to destroy the good people of God. People who are not of the kingdom. That parable leads us to that. The third parable, which is very similar to the third and the fourth, is that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Proverbially, in Judaism, a mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds. And Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that is sown in the ground and it eventually grows into an amazing tree that the birds of the air can come and find rest within its branches. Protection from the sun. A place to establish life. The kingdom of God begins and has begun 
as a small little move of God, but it will eventually cover the entire world. This tree is growing. This tree is on the move. This tree will cover the entire world and all who come to the kingdom will find protection, will find solace, will find life within the kingdom of God. Now this seed, this master seed, is what gets planted in your heart. And maybe you come to the Lord in one quick moment, but as the Lord begins to work in you and these things begins to grow, you begin to see the changes that are occurring in you until kingdom life becomes your life. But it begins one day that you gave Jesus a chance in your life. And in the world it's the same way. It came in the person of one little baby. One little baby. Jesus Christ. And it has expanded to the point that all of the world is being affected by this little baby. The kingdom of God begins small and it is grown into a great big tree and it continues to grow and grow until the whole world come under its branches. And the next parable is very similar. He says that the kingdom of God is like a woman who sows a little bit of leaven into a big chunk of dough. It seems little and insignificant, but the more you work that leaven into the dough, the more than the whole mass of dough gets transformed and affected by the presence of that leaven. The kingdom of God begins very small. The kingdom of God began very small and it is affecting, transforming, and changing the whole mass of the world. Very similar to the previous parable. The kingdom begins small, but it is effective. It is effective until everything is affected and transformed by that kingdom. And then comes the parable about the net. Actually, no, the treasure in the field and the great pearl. He says that the kingdom of God is like a man who comes to a field which is not his. Could be somebody else's or it could be a field that he doesn't know who it belongs to. But he comes to a field and he finds in that field a tremendous treasure. He uncovers a treasure that had been hidden from everybody else. And he goes and covers it up and goes and sells everything he has. He sells every other possession. He sells every other field. He sells every house. He gives up everything so that he can come back and buy that field because of the value of that treasure. That treasure becomes more important than anything else he has. And then a similar parable is that the kingdom of God is like a merchant of pearls. This is a man who knows what he's looking for. He's a merchant of pearls. And in his search, he's looking for the mother pearl. He's looking for the pearl of all pearls. He's looking for a pearl that is uncanny, that is like no other pearl, the shine, the size, the value of it is amazing. And when he finds it, he goes and sells everything else he has. He gives up every other search. 
He gives up everything so that he can come and own that one pearl. He says the kingdom of God is like that. The value of the kingdom is of such worth and should be of such worth to you all and to me that we should be willing to give everything up, surrender all other pursuits, all other allegiances, all other loyalties, sell everything we have, whatever the cost, so that we can own that treasure, so that we can own that kingdom, so that we can be part of a kingdom that will lead us into eternal life. Every other pursuit is nothing compared to the value of the kingdom of God. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a great treasure, that it is like a magnificent pearl, and that we should be willing to lose it all, give it all up, surrender all other values, surrender anything that is important to us, so that we can have what that kingdom offers to all of us. Lose everything else so that we can be part of that kingdom of God, which is, can never be stolen, can never be corrupted, can never be taken from us, because it is God who gives it to us by grace and by love. And it's ours by our allegiance to the king. And no one can rob us of it, no one can steal it from us, and no one can take us from it. The kingdom of God is like a treasure that we should be willing to give it all up to own that, that treasure. Like a pearl, the finest of all pearls, and we're willing to lose every other pearl, give up every other pearl so that we can own that one pearl. That's how the kingdom of God is. And then he tells us another parable that is a little similar to, to number one and number two. He says that the kingdom of God is like a net. Some translation says a dragnet, something that a fisherman would understand, especially around the Sea of Galilee. A net that a fisherman throws out in the sea and then he drags it in to the shore and it catches everything in, in its way. He says the kingdom of God is that way, like a net that is drawn into shore and then at shore there is a separation between the fish and anything else that got caught. Now imagine that you're dragging a net in and how many other things you catch that are not fish. Maybe some old cans. Maybe some stones. Maybe some dirt or maybe some things that someone just threw in the lake. And when you drag it in, you're catching all kinds of things. He says, the kingdom of God is like that. And I, I spent some time in this one parable because I thought to myself, that's like the church. Anybody can come into the church and I have no idea if they're really disciples of Jesus or not. I have no idea. I have no way of knowing if you're following Jesus or not. I have no way of knowing whether you're a Christian or not. You come up for communion and you do like this, and I don't look at your face and say, uh-uh, uh-uh, not today. <laughs> I can't do that. I don't have that ability. You see? In the church, everybody comes and everybody's dragged up. And I don't know who's in and who's out. But the Lord will at the end determine who are his children and who are not. 
Because many things can get dragged into the kingdom, but not everything belongs to the kingdom. It may all look like it belongs to the kingdom, but it does not. So Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is like a net that catches many things. And at first you think you've caught a lot. And then when separation starts to happen, the fish get put in a vessel, but the broken, empty cans all torn up, the stones, the junk that you may have caught in the net, that gets thrown away. There's still a separation between what is in the kingdom and what is not in the kingdom. All three of these parables, number one, number two, and number three, and, and number one, number two, and, the, and number uh, seven, Speak about a judgment day, a day of separation between those in the kingdom and those outside the kingdom. I don't know the difference. I will minister to anyone and everyone that comes, not knowing who's in and who's out. But God knows who's in and who's out. And at the end, there will be a separation. Because not everyone who claims to be in the kingdom is in the kingdom. And not everyone who thinks he's out of the kingdom is out of the kingdom. God is the ultimate judge of it all. And not me and not you. We minister to all. In the hope that all will come to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We minister to all. And it is your decision to consider in your own judgment whether you are of the kingdom or you're not of the kingdom. I said at the beginning, he who rejects the king is outside the kingdom. You need to know whether you're rejecting the king or you're not. How are you doing with Jesus? Is he Lord, Savior, and King of your life? If he is, then all your loyalty belongs to him. And you have to be willing to lose it all, but never lose him. You have to be willing to give it all up, but never give up on Jesus Christ. He is the King of God who abandoned heaven to come to earth that you and I be saved. He's the, the source of drawing us into the kingdom. Outside of Jesus, you are excluded from the kingdom. And at the end, there will be the separation. But that will be done by God and not by us. These are the parables of the kingdom. What is Jesus teaching us through this parable? Parables. He's teaching us that the kingdom of God comes through the seed of God, through the word of God implanted in your heart. It tells us that good and evil are growing together in this world and we will never, no matter how much we try, we will never be able to separate good from evil. We never will. We need to learn to coexist. We need to, to be fruit bearers for the kingdom. That's what will determine who we are. We need to know that the kingdom may start small and insignificant, but it's destined, it is proclaimed by God to grow into an amazing tree that the whole world will come under it. It will begin small like leaven, but it will affect all of society, all of life, all of everything will be affected by the word of God. It is like leaven. It is like a treasure or a pearl that you should be willing 
to give up everything so that you can be in the kingdom. You have to make every change you have to make, you make it. You have to give up any habit, you give it up. You need to change who you are for the kingdom and because of the kingdom, you do it because of the value of the kingdom of God for all eternity. What is it you have to change in your life? What is it you have to give up? Nothing has more value than the kingdom of God on earth and the kingdom that is yet to come. How much are you willing to lose? Are you willing to lose everything that you can have the value of the kingdom? And the kingdom of God is like a net, picks up many things, good, bad, in the middle. Hey, that's just how it is. God will eventually separate one thing from another. And the good will come to him and the bad will be thrown away and burned. Now, that's my view and my interpretation and my study of the parables. One of the things I would like you to do I would like you to look at this whole sermon of Jesus, take a look at these parables, read them, battle with them, understand them for yourself, apply them to your life because your life may be different than my life. You apply God's word to you and to your life. Fight the good fight of understanding the word of God, applying it to your life. And ask the Lord, Father, what is it you're teaching me about the kingdom of God through these stories? Appropriate them. Own the story. Look at them. And if you want to discuss them with me, please do. I would love to hear your take on the parables of the kingdom. I would love to hear your take on the parables of the kingdom. How do you interpret these parables? Because Jesus had the intention that you would receive these stories, unpack them, unfold them, struggle with them, and then apply them to your life. Because he does not want one of you to be outside the kingdom. So you need to understand the kingdom. The kingdom of God has come into the world that you may be saved. And that is only through Jesus Christ. The parables of the kingdom, a whole sermon of Jesus through parables, through stories. Please, I beg you, take a look at chapter 13, take a look at each parable, think about it, pray about it, and ask God how you should apply these parables to your life. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please.